Welcome to the Alpha to Zeta podcast. Teaching you how to become a better professional for the future. Welcome to the Alpha to Zeta podcast. I'm your host, Zach Skimmyhorn, coming to you live from lovely Lincoln, Nebraska, with my co-host, Bella Rodriguez. Hi, Zach. How are you today? I am exhausted, as we talked about <laughs> earlier. Um, working in baseball, a lot of 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., and then the next night it's 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Um, working a lot with fans, just working really long hours. It's it's what I want to do, but it's a long Long journey, long hours. It's tough, you know. Um, that sounds tough. I wish I could relate, but I have not worked for two weeks. Um, so I'm sorry that it's hard. But <laughs> you, want, you want a vacation though, right? Yeah. I went to visit my family in Texas. So That's awesome. But we got a, a very special guest for the, today's episode. Um, someone who is a good friend of Alpha Kappa Psi Zeta Chapter, someone who has spoken at one of our uh, previous chapter meetings. Um, but before we get into our guests, I do want to say, I was thinking the other day, and you know, these last two episodes, the last one being women in business, this one being race in business, Bella, I think these will probably be the two most important episodes we record as hosts of this podcast. I de- yeah, I definitely agree. I think these topics are really important to talk about, especially when going to an institution where it's just predominantly white, predominantly um men and some majors that we're talking about. So it's really important. And I'm excited to talk about this today. And, you know, even if you're like me and you're a white dude, I'm just going <laughs> to get that out there. Uh, definitely still give us a listen. You know, the first step in becoming an ally is listening. So uh, just hear what our guests have to say. But with that being said, our guest for today, uh, he is a senior UNL accounting major. Um, he will be the vice president of the National Association of Black Accountants next semester at UNL. We have Ahmed. Ahmed, welcome. Thank you so much, Zach and Bella. Happy to be here. Always a pleasure to work with the Alpha Kappa Psi Zeta chapter. So, Ahmed, let's talk about uh, your story, where you come from, and how you ended up at UNL. Absolutely. So we're going to start from the beginning. Um, you know, well, I should first give a short description about myself. I'm a black Muslim student. I'm also a first generation college student who happens to be an immigrant. So I was born in Libya. Um, and so Tripoli, Libya. And I lived there for the first seven years of my life. And then at about seven years old, I moved to Egypt for about two years. And from there, I immigrated to the United States with my family through a lottery visa. And so November of 2008 is when I uh, got here. Um, And since then, you know, I attended fourth and fifth grade, finished out middle school in Lincoln, Nebraska, and even attended Northeast High School. Uh, And then at that point, I was kind of questioning whether I should even go to college, just being a low income student and everything. But luckily, uh, I grinded when it comes to academics and a couple involvements. And I was blessed to have a couple scholarships. And so I decided to come to UNL. That was always like an obvious option for me. But what I did struggle with was uh, what what is going to be my path? What's going to be my major? And I remember high school that summer, I was kind of set on business administration. But then last minute before, you know, that first semester of college started, I, uh, you know, through a couple uh, external, you know, uh, impacts and people talking me out of it, I, I eventually decided on computer engineering, um, even though I did not have a true interest in it or any skill set. I just, you know, I went in it for the money 
And I did have a couple of friends at the time who also decided to go into it. So I felt pressure. I put pressure on myself to pursue that. And um, after that first semester, I kind of struggled academically with it. And so I was like, you know what, let's go back to square one. I do want to go back to business. That's something that I was always interested in. That was my most chosen elective in uh, high school. And I remember in particular one class, which was my accounting class uh, that I took senior year. And I enjoyed that. And um, after taking a, you know, 201, 202 and doing really well in those, you know, that's when I figured out this is the path for me. And so, yeah, you know, I've been an accounting major since then. Uh, I'm also minor in business and law and mathematics as well. And yeah, I'll be a fifth year senior graduating this December. And after that, I'm hoping to, you know, do the MPA or the Masters of Professional Accountancy, which should take another year or so. And um, yeah, jump right into public accounting of some sort, a firm. That's really interesting because I was also a computer engineering major when I came into college and I'm also minoring in math. Um, I'm also majoring in accounting, so it's really cool to hear someone with a similar story. Um, I did go into computer engineering for the money, too. So (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of money in accounting, though, correct? No, for sure. You can argue it's all money. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about your experience at UNL. How has it been going? How has your experience been in going to a predominantly white college? You know, UNL, especially within the college of business, you look around the classrooms and lecture halls. Right. There's a lot of white faces. You don't see a lot of people of color. For sure. uh, Black, Hispanic, Asian. Right. Um, How has that experience been? I like to preface by saying that, you know, since immigrating to the United States, I've pretty much always gone to a predominantly white institution, all the schools that I attended thus far. And so to a degree, I was almost used to it. But I and I also like to say that UNL is a good school. I don't regret coming here. Um, You know, I I think that the value of education that's taught here is pretty good. But, you know, if I'm keeping it real, there have been moments where I was like, you know, questioning uh, my worth, almost an imposter syndrome in a classroom. It's like, okay, this is this is the only face. I'm the only face uh, who looks like me or one of the very few. So it's just like, did I get here? Is it a fluke that I happen to be in this class? And there's also a lot of like added pressure um, that you put on yourself when it comes to like participation. Like if a professor asks a question and you decide to answer, there's a lot of pressure to get it right. Because if you don't, not only do you look dumb or ignorant, it almost becomes like a representative of your group. Like, okay, I'm, you know, because now I'm the only black student in the class. And, you know, thus, if I get it wrong, I kind of, you know, all, you know, do all black people kind of, you know, not know what they're saying or doing, you know, are they just ignorant? So there's a lot of pressure when it comes to that sense. And I've definitely encountered some microaggressions, you know, that made, you know, further solidified my um, insecurities about, you know, feeling like I belonged in the classroom or so. Um, But in general, you know, I would say, what really helped my experience is I had good friends who like pressured me and like introduced me to things on campus that would not make me feel so alone. And so there's definitely resources on campus for students of color. For example, the Jackie Gaum Multicultural Center has a lot of programs and events that are um, curated by and they're made for people of color. They always have events. Omani Night, for example, or like, you know, African Student Association, which I was in. We have the African Royal Gala that we hosted. We also have a yearly um, Festac or Festival of African Culture. Um, Oasis is another great program. And so I tended, you know, since sophomore year, I kind of surrounded myself with those who look like me and put myself in leadership positions so I can make sure that other students younger than me or older, you know, whatever the case may be. So just 
make them feel like they have a home within UNL. And so I would say my experience is unique in that sense because I was an in-state student. I knew that there was options. And I, like I said, I surrounded myself with uh, friends who were also aware of those options and they pushed me to, you know, seek leadership roles in ASA or like, you know, attend a couple APU meetings, for example. And um, yeah, I would say there's definitely options out here for students of color. You just have to seek it. And um, I'm more than happy to help you find those resources and events and things like that. Perfect. And then speaking of those leadership positions, um, you know, you hold a leadership position with the National Association of Black Accountants. Um, can you describe to us what that club or what that organization does and why did you join it? For sure. Um, I'll start with the history of NABA because I always find it interesting. It's about, you know, they just had their 50th anniversary. It was formed in 1969 by nine African-Americans in um, New York State. And so that intention behind it and the purpose is to um, kind of what they noticed at the time was that less than one percent of CPAs happen to be black and they happen to be accounting majors as well and they noticed that there's a discrepancy I mean you know there was a lot more than one percent of like African Americans and just black people in general in America so they were wondering why is that the case and so what they try to do is um, highlight and also amplify the fact that you know CPA it's a great it's a great profession and that black people can excel in it. And so they wanted to create an atmosphere and an organization that is the National Association of Black Accountants that will um, help with professional development and networking skills um, for other accounting majors uh, to come. And so now they have chapters across the United States, um, student chapters, that is, and so college students. And um, every year they have a national conference uh, based on their regions. So, so Nebraska would have been in the central region. And so I had a friend, Maluba, who um, happened to go to these national conferences. This was before NABA was formed. And she told me about how great it was. And it's an opportunity for us to, you know, go on vacation for a weekend. You know, at that point, it was held in St. Louis, Missouri. Never been. I was like, yeah, I'll do that just to travel. But she also talked about the different, like, learning opportunities that you get. So there's workshops, scholarship opportunities. They also help you with like internships and things like that. And you get to really talk to and expose yourself to different firms that you might not be aware of in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that's exactly what I uh, saw me and four of uh, four other black um, accounting students at the time. And so I, I went to St. Louis and really enjoyed that weekend. And that's when um, we came back to Lincoln. Uh, by the way, this was paid for by the School of Accountancy. So we didn't have to pay any out of pocket fees to travel and, you know, the plane, everything was paid for. And, uh, and then when we came back, the director of the School of Accountancy, Dr. Aaron um, Crabtree, you know, he kind of sat us down and said, do you guys want to form an actual chapter at UNL? It would be the first um, student chapter in Nebraska, because at that point, we weren't really official. We were just interested parties to see what was going on. And uh, we all were like, yeah, we 10 toes down. Uh, we worked on it. We grinded that um, next semester. And then officially, uh, that summer of 2020, we, we formed the UNL student chapter with a constitution and everything. Uh, we had the necessary members and we continued to grow from that point. You know, we still um, trying to uh, promote the same values of like professional development and networking and things like that with our events, with our members. And, you know, for almost a year, uh, over a year now. But, yeah, we're reaching that two, two year mark. And uh, I've loved that experience. Started out as a secretary. And like you said, we just had elections and now I'm their vice president for the upcoming school year. That's really interesting. Um, I did not know that the history of NABA here at uh, UNL was really recent. Um, so it's really cool to hear that you were part of 
I don't know. I, I would guess like part of that history. Speaking of just clubs and organizations in general, what can clubs and organizations do to be more inclusive and welcoming, welcoming to people of color? That's a really good question. I would first start out by highlighting your uh, organization, Alpha Kappa Psi, just for the simple fact that they reached out to our social media chair at the time um, to have me speak to your uh, members about diversity and inclusion in the College of Business and at UNL at large. So I think it's important to really highlight and feature um, you know, people of color as like guest speakers and black black um, guest speakers, whether that's other students or professionals. I think that's a good way because it shows members who happen to be black that, hey, you know, we care about your perspectives. And, you know, um, you know, we, we, we realize that there are professionals who happen to look like you with valuable things to say. And so that meant a lot to me and my organizations when you guys did that. I would also say when it comes to meetings, it's really important to have like these open discussions, you know, be uh, comfortable with allowing, uh, you know, people to bring up topics that, you know, are, might be taboo or like uncomfortable for people to talk about, such as race tensions and racial, uh, you know, injustice. I think, you know, like, again, like I said, members, uh, your members who happen to be black or other people of color, they would really appreciate it. They would feel like their voices are heard if you, you know, are open to having those conversations for sure. So those are just two things that I can think of off the top of my head, um, you know, amplifying, you know, voices, black voices, and also in a way try to highlight, you know, that there are resources out here, you know, made for and are by, you know, black people. So highlighting black businesses in the community, uh, catering, you know, you know, there's a lot of black restaurants in town that like, you know, could use the, um, the extra revenue and the, the promotion as well. And so I think that's also a great way to do that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that question is really important for me because, you know, in the clubs I'm involved in, you know, the American Marketing Association, the Nebraska Sports Business Association, you know, there is no black American Marketing Association or black sports business association. And uh, being more inviting to people of color has definitely been a struggle of ours mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, most of the guests that we have are white. So, like, that's definitely something that you know, I need to work on uh, is getting more speakers of color that would definitely help our inclusiveness. So with Naba, I want to talk about what event has been your favorite that you have put on? You know, that's hard for a few reasons. I think being so new and also being formed, I try to avoid the words pandemic and COVID, but, you know, <laughs> being formed during this like weird time, we were kind of limited to strictly virtual meetings. That was a very conscious decision, you know, out of uncertainty, maybe fear, and also just, just to be cautious. We wanted to make sure that um, whatever events that we do have, they're going to be limited to a sense, but also we had every month two firms speak to us at the same time. Usually it's one that's an accounting firm or business and then one not so accounting. Because the thing about NABA is, and I forgot to mention this earlier, we're open, we're open to all business majors and uh, all races. And so we have members in the executive board who are not necessarily black or African-American. And we also have non-accounting majors. We have a marketing students, we have international business students. And uh, an interesting point is we have an integrated science major uh, and basically he's a non-voting member but he can still you know come in and sit and benefit from having the firm speak to us and so we had different firms like Lutz, BKD, KPMG, Deloitte and also non-business ones like Coke Industries and Union Pacific and so that way people our members can benefit from hearing what they can offer and also get like the inside scoop about when to uh, intern and also what are they looking for in terms of qualifications. And so they get like the first, you know, like I said, the inside scoop on that. They really benefit from that. 
And I just have, you know, countless stories of members reaching out to me personally, like, hey, I really enjoyed that firm. I think I might apply or, you know, just I enjoyed them coming and talk to me or didn't you intern for them? How are they? And so, it, you know, it was it made them very engaged and they really appreciated that. So I do like that aspect. And I do appreciate the firms coming in and taking the time out of, the, out of their days to speak to our members. But I would have to say my favorite events have been the discussion ones. And so in February, it's Black History Month. And so we had one discussion early on in that month, uh, just like a, you know, race and, and uh, you know, different experiences that students had at the College of Business. It was an open discussion and no real like panel or anything People can just speak freely for about an hour. I really enjoyed that. Um, and also, like, the next week or so, we also watched a movie on top of a discussion. We watched Just Mercy, which featured uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. It's about a black lawyer who graduated from Harvard by the name of Brian Stevenson, and then he goes down south to Alabama, and basically with the intention to free people who he feels were wrongly uh, jailed. And so, you know, his, him and his uh, assistant at the time, they just worked to get those um, not guilty verdicts and, and uh, hope, you know, in hopes of exonerating people. And Jamie Foxx plays um, a character, uh, Walter McMillan, who was accused of killing an 18 year old white girl. So already there's racial tensions. And then of course there's like a biased jury to be involved in, inadequate defense. And so basically without spoiling too much, it dealt a lot with racial injustice and the justice system or I'd like to say it, the injustice system. And so we had a very long yet productive conversation about that movie and our thoughts about it and our own opinions about things like capital punishment. And um, it actually, the, the meeting ran like an hour and a half over time just because people had really enjoyed the conversation and they were very, um, they had their, you know, their own opinions and everything. We had different opinions, but that didn't matter in the sense that we all respected each other. And we felt free enough to like discuss those things that we normally couldn't in like a classroom or other other clubs, for example. And so just knowing something like that that we did for the first time, it was so successful and it got everyone engaged. It really like affected me in a positive way. I have seen that movie and it is really good. It's a very powerful message. Knowing that the movie is set in a different time, mm -hmm. but the themes are still very present today is really um, impactful anytime you watch it. So it's really nice to know that you guys are having discussions like that regarding different topics uh, other than accounting and other than business. Um, so speaking of business and just jobs and internships, what should people of color look for when applying to jobs and internships to ensure their success? Because some businesses don't uh, are or are not inclusive in ways that they should be. Mm -hmm. So what do you think people of color should do or what do you think businesses should do on the other side of that? Interesting. And I, I like the fact that you brought up the fact that businesses, a lot of them are not that inclusive. So that's a good point. And that's why I value the fact that firms come speak to us, uh, you know, because I use that as an opportunity at the end to ask questions. If I notice that they're not talking enough about uh, community outreach or anything like uh, programs or goals that are intended to increase like uh black employees or, you know, other, you know, make, make the company more diverse. I always bring that up. Like, what are you doing to ensure that not only does the environment foster like a very productive and inclusive and, and like an inclusive environment, but also, you know, I also want to get into like, uh, 
you know, sp- you know, specific and tangent ways of how do they do that? Like, do they donate to uh, different activist communities? Like, what have they done before the protests last year? You know, the protests last year, we saw a lot of performative stuff where companies, they seem like they didn't care in the past. But I'm looking, like, for consistent stuff. Like, are they doing stuff on a yearly basis or, you know, on a more continual basis than just, oh, one summer where they kind of had to. They felt the pressure by uh, you know, their stakeholders or something. And so I'm looking for a more consistency in that matter um, from organizations. And, and so I want them to back that up, but with money, um, sponsorships and any kind of way that will help um, those, those like community activists and, you know, Black Lives Matter and other, uh, you know, similar organizations. Uh, what the employees, you know, future employees can do is simply doing the research and I would say start out with there's companies like Glassdoor where you can apply for jobs, but they also have a feature where employees, former employees can rate their rate their experiences like that. They feel like this is like they were adequately paid. Did they feel like, you know, their employers treated them fairly, things like that. And they can pick up on the work environment from that. But also before Glassdoor, before Yelp, before any of that, the main way people find out if something is worth their while is just word of mouth. You know, even I know a couple friends who um, were interested in a particular firm. They might have interned, but they hated their experience. They were paid well, but they felt like the environment was toxic. It was too competitive and they felt almost tokenized. Like they looked around, they saw that they were the only one who looked like them. And they were like, I can't see myself working for them long term. And so they chose other firms over that. And so I would say, talk to your friends. If you know your friend did an internship, ask them how they enjoyed their experience. Um, and they, you know, hopefully they're honest about their experiences and chances are they are, they will be. But um, I would say, you know, ask around. Uh, and if you have the opportunity to talk to employees, um, ask them directly, like, what are you doing to, that's tangible and, and, and non-performative that's helping the community and, uh, you know, communities, communities of color in particular. And then going off of that topic, I wanna talk about in the individual, right? So like people like me, a white person, how can I be an ally uh, and educate myself on these racial inequities? Do you have any suggestions on how someone would go about doing that, educating themselves? I would say your first step should not be to ask people of color, how can I help? I would say, because one, it seems like you're not taking the initiative uh, or you're dedicated to actually being a good person. Because to me, as a per- you know, as a black person, to me, that question comes off as, how do I be a decent human being? <laughs> yeah. And so I would I would say definitely take the time to research things and research slogans you might hear, um, research organizations. And if you hear something that initially you disagree with, if it's something controversial, don't shut it out completely. If you hear all cops are bad or defund the police or abolish the police, try to find out why. Like, what are they? What's the intention behind that? What's the purpose behind that? And if you still disagree, but can you at least see the intention behind that? You know, if, you know why, and you know if it's like feasible. Um, so definitely do the research. And with anything, when it comes to like personal growth and improvement, it starts from within. So you have to look in the mirror, and you have to reflect on yourself and be like, okay, like most people, like everyone, I would say, I have biases. Okay, and so be like, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just just a hypothetical. If I'm walking on a sidewalk and a black person is approaching me, like we're, you know, the opposite direction, but it's the same sidewalk. Why do I feel the inclination to cross, you know, like cross the street to the other sidewalk? Or if I'm in an elevator, it's just me and a black guy. Why do I feel the need to cover my purse? 
you know, subconscious stuff and you might not be racist. Chances are you're not. But it's just little stuff like that. Think about it and reflect and be like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, would I do this if it was a white person, perhaps, or, you know, someone else? And so look at yourself, reflect on that and just um, be more conscientious of your actions and body language because we pick up on that. People of color pick up on that. Um, so after you kind of look at yourself internally and hold yourself accountable, that's when you can hold those around you, closest around you, your family in particular. If your uncle says offhanded comments during Thanksgiving dinner, um, racist stuff, don't for sure don't laugh at it. And for sure, don't just let them talk until they stop because it might seem like you did something because they're not talking, you know, they're not making racist statements anymore but they didn't learn. That should be a learning opportunity. Be like, hey, don't say that. That's that's racist or that's an overgeneralization or a, um, you know, just it's a stereotype that's false. And so use that opportunity to really hold those around you accountable. It goes the same thing with friends. People your age you might think are tolerant and progressive and all of that. They might not be and they might make offhanded comments. That should be the opportunity for you to correct them as well. It doesn't have to be this grandiose you don't have to be a social activist or anything. It really does start, you know, within and around you. But also, if you can, you know, uh, on top of research, share that. Like on social media, say you have 20 followers and you share something about a movement or something going on, like resources, ways to help movement and things like that, where to donate. You just help two people. Even if you help those two people, they can help more people. Like it's, it's a domino effect, a positive one. And it's a ripple effect. And so use your platform and especially if you're white, um, when it comes to using a platform, acknowledge your your privilege. Like know that when you share something that might be on the right side of history, it's a good thing. But just know that your voice is going to be more amplified than someone like me. And so be careful with that. And um, yeah, don't be a white savior, basically. And <laughs> so there's there's definitely ways. There's definitely great ways. Yeah, I, I do acknowledge as not a person of color, I will never know what it's like to uh, experience what life is like as a person of color. And I, I respect you calling me out for the way I asked that question. I, you know, I'm still learning uh, how to be more inclusive and how to change, make, make the world more of an inclusive environment. So I, I respect that. Can I, can I just say one thing? Yeah, of um, course. I allowed this question not to call you out. I just I that's what I would tell anybody. And I felt like I have a platform. And if other people could hear that and like learn from it, that's OK. That was not a, an attack on you. Guys. No, no, that's why I left course. the question. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, yeah no, it's it, it is um, the jobs of people who have privilege in these spaces to educate themselves. And I 100 percent agree. And um, thank you for calling us out, not calling us out. <laughs> yeah. um, so in terms of inclusivity and mm. being an ally clubs and organizations that are geared towards specific identities right. do you think they help in preserving that kind of the cultural importance of certain groups or do you think that they help us move away from being racist or perpetuating those racist ideologies i will say this is just speaking from personal experience even if there's like the uh, african uh, student association or the african people's union a lot of times and every time they accept non-black people. That's okay, you know. And I've seen, you know, not non-black exec members and, and all that. They thrived, they were accepted and, and welcomed. And I, I think the main thing behind those is it's just for one, it's 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 
a sense of pride. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a way for people who belong to, the, to that group to um, feel acknowledged and just have a home away from home because a lot of them are immigrants. And so their experience is way different than someone, say, even born here. And so just to, to see their culture celebrated is a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, and also a benefit for those thing, uh, clubs and organizations is that it serves as a safe space. This is when a lot of them are going to be 100% themselves. They could be free to say whatever and not feel judged as opposed to being, like I said, in a classroom or a club that's not necessarily like focused on race. And so because um, they're able to speak so freely, that builds a sense of confidence within them. So then in that way, they become better students. They they have a sense of confidence and like uh, security in themselves and of their people that you know they're no they're not as phased by the fact that you know they might be the only ones in their classroom who looks like that because you know they're like oh next week I'm looking forward to this event or you know uh, next month we're doing this. It was just like something to look forward to, and it, it just it's just the social atmospheres on top of your school. It's fun and everything like that, and so it kind of it really does cut into and helps with the stresses of school and, and the world and everything. And so I do think it benefits the students a lot. And, and it's also a great opportunity for non-Black students to come and experience those things because we're open to, you know, the African Royal Gala, we're open to anybody. Um, you know, that's your opportunity to see people dress in their traditional uh, clothing and everything. And, you know, we have um, also opportunities for different cultural foods. And so, you know, it's just, it, I think it benefits everybody all around. It, it's a great learning opportunity for non-Black people. And it's a way for Black people to feel comfortable within themselves, within their, with their skin and, and, you know, thrive in a predominantly white institution. Absolutely. Um, so one last thing before we let you go, I want you to take this chance or this moment to plug the hell out of NABA, you know? <laughs> so okay. let us know, what does the future of NABA look like and how can uh, people join in the future? All right. Like I said, NABA is a great organization. We're open to pretty much everybody, all races, all majors. Even if you're non-business, you could be a non-voting member and you still get to benefit from that. But uh, yeah, we're new. We're young. We have exciting things to look forward to. Uh, the biggest change is going to be our meetings. They're going to be in person or at least hybrid. And so you get to really build the bond and establish that rapport with your fellow members and get to acquaint yourself with people, you know, from, like I said, different majors, different backgrounds. And um, that's, this is really one of the only opportunities I get to meet underclassmen. So like people, I'm like, I, you know, the fact that you're joining a club like this so early on, when I didn't even join clubs until my sophomore year, I'm really impressed by them. And, you know, I'm rooting for them and I'm willing to help them on their journey and anybody who joins. Um, but in terms of like other things that we're going to do, um, we're really going to look into like community outreach. That's big. Like, you know, I'm always about that volunteering as much as possible. And so whether that's People City Mission, Center for People in Need, um, different food forests, things like that. Uh, you know, I have my connections and I have ways and, I'm, you know, a lot of our members are willing to do that. You know, uh, we had an opportunity last year, but we couldn't because of COVID. But, you know, we're just excited to like, get, you know, uh, reach the community and, and, and impact them in a positive way. Uh, also looking forward to working with other organizations, continue this beautiful relationship with Alpha Kappa Psi and other organizations as well. Uh, more social events, I would say more frequent social events because you know it's one thing to like uh, talk to firms and learn all the, the intricate things about, you know, resume building, for example, personal finance, all of that time management, it's cool, but it's also great to like 
like I said, just get to know the the members as well. So if it's bowling night, if it's karaoke, whatever it is, just you know look forward to that and other great things. Uh, as far as how you can reach out or how you can join NABA, it's very easy. We're on Instagram, so naba.unl. And um, if you show up to meetings, involve you, just look up NABA next semester. It'll tell you all about our meetings, where it is. Just show up, talk to one of the exec members. Get, you know, We'll get your contact info. We'll reach you that way. Add you to the group me um, and all that. Yeah, so very excited to have new members and see what NABA is going to look like in the next couple of years. Awesome. Hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate everything that NABA does and our relationship between NABA and uh, Alpha Kappa Psi. So thank you so much for coming on. Once again, thank you again for having me, Zach and Bella. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. It was really nice to have this discussion because I honestly think that they're necessary and very important. And it's really nice to use the platform that we've created with this uh, podcast to reach other people. Um, so thank you so much for coming. And um, hopefully we can continue to speak with NABA and foster that relationship even further. Looking Absol forward to that. Absolutely. For our listeners, we will see you in July. July. Yes, sir. What? Yep. Thank you all for listening. Have a good day.